0: Hey, good morning. It's Tuesday morning. I'm glad to be with you today as we continue with our study of Ephesians. It's good to spend some time with you unpacking uh, God's Word together. And in fact, um, the passage we're going to look at today, Ephesians chapter uh, five, I'm sorry, verses six. I'm sorry, Ephesians six, verses five through nine actually kind of fall in good with the sermon series we're starting we started this past Sunday that will continue in the weeks to come uh, called Troublesome Bible passages because in today's reading we' uh, we're going to look at Paul's uh, word on slavery. Um, I often say that when you get to this part of Romans Romans when you get this part of Ephesians um, you see that Paul is kind of looking bit by bit at different um, different relationships within our lives. So we've talked about the husband and wife. We talked about children yesterday. Today, we're going to talk about um, this notion of slavery, and I joke sometimes that I like to, to look at that as our our workplace relationships. That's kind of a joke, but actually, tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna unpack a little bit about how, what this says here, how it should apply to how we work and how we uh, function within our jobs. And because uh, for many of us, let's be honest, we spend as much time at work as we do um, with family, with friends, with children. You know, so those are important relationships for us. But uh, before we look at these words in light of that, I want to take some time today to talk about slavery within Scripture. Let me read this passage to you, and then we'll unpack uh, some of what Scripture says. So let's, let's read uh, Ephesians 6 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart as you obey Christ, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Render service with enthusiasm as the Lord and not to men and women, knowing that whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. And masters do do the same to them. Stop threatening them, for you know that both of you have the same master in heaven, and with him there is no partiality. So, um, I hope you see right here that Paul puts forth in this passage here this baseline notion of equality. So, um, we see... um, we we see verse eight, knowing that whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord, whether we're slave or free. So we're going to see we're going to receive from God the work labors that the reward for the labors that we do, whether we're slave or free. And then verse nine says, "I know that both of you have the same master in heaven. With him there is no partiality." So we see right here that Paul is establishing for Christians, uh, whether slave nor free, a baseline of equality that there is in the church. There is in the Body of Christ, uh, an equality uh, within slavery or freedom. Now, first, let's speak to the ugly part of this. Much like with the passage about marriage, uh, where we have seen while I saying to your husband be used as a cudgel, as a weapon against women, and we've seen uh, that taken out of context and used wrongly um, throughout history. Throughout history, and frankly, um, within our relatively recent history in Mississippi, um, we've seen that uh, folks have used passages like this to espouse pro-slavery views or espouse racist views. I just read a, read a, um, a book not too long ago that talked about um, the role of the church uh, within the civil rights movement in the 60s and how, um, how the churches equated themselves and often did not equate themselves well. Um, As people were fighting for freedom. And so we see here that uh, this passage here, yes, this passage here can be taken and used um, to defend uh, racist views. This passage here can be taken and can be used to to defend slavery. This passage here can be used for great harm. Uh, It has been in times past and it it is something um, that if we are not careful can be used wrongly. Uh, If you were to keep reading on to Paul's letters, when you get to Philemon, you see Philemon. Uh, Likewise, is is um, is a passage that an entire book that can be used uh, to defend the institution of slavery. Um, So let's talk real quick about slavery, and then I want to talk about how scripture should be used. Remember um, that what we saw in American history, the 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 American history of chattel slavery, in many ways is a unique thing within human history. Um, It awful and terrible and just just awful. What we see in um, what we see in the Bible days, particularly this type of slavery that most Christians would have been familiar with, would have been um, something closer to an indentured servitude type of situation. Not completely, um, but it would have been, it would have more resembled indentured servitude than it would have resembled uh, what we saw within American history. How do we know that? Well, we see it the fact that the fact that there are Christians that are part of the church. Think back to Galatians, where we read a few weeks back, where Paul writes, In Christ there is neither male nor female, uh, slave nor free, Greek nor Jew, for all one in Christ. We see within Paul's works, we see within the history of the church, uh, the reality that slaves were in the church and were part of the church and were just as equal in the church as any free person. That there was no distinction in Christ between slave and free. We see it here. This passage here. Both slave and free had the same master in heaven. Both slave and free will face the same rewards for their actions. But also the same consequences for their actions. We see that across across the New Testament, the fact that that slaves are seen as fully members of the church with every other person in the church. Think of think of Peter's sermon on on, on, on Acts two on Pentecost, where he quotes from Joel, where where he says, "Upon my." Upon our slaves shall the spirit rain down. We see that over and over and over again. Slavery was an assumed norm within the Roman days. It just was. So, yes, people have used passages like this to defend it. But here's where it's important to understand Scripture as it's meant to be understood. One of my favorite illustrations about Scripture, I'll include this as a link in the in the description here, is a book. Talk that um, N.T. Wright, the great British theologian, gave regarding Scripture, and how Scripture should best be understood as a piece of, as a, as a, as a symphony would be understood musically. Uh, to understand it, to, to enjoy a symphony, or to understand a symphony, you want to look at the total piece of music. When you're learning to uh, a, symph- uh, a symphonic movement, when you're you're listening to to music. You don't start off by pulling out the percussion or the woodwinds or the brass, but you listen to all of it together. When you listen to all of it together, you really see the beauty that's therein. No, no. When you really understand the beauty of it, you understand the the movements of it. Then it is can be useful to pull aside. let's pull out the woodwinds and see what they do, or let's pull out the brass and see what they do. But the piece, but you don't just want to listen to the woodwinds or or the brass. You want to listen to the complete symphony itself, because when all the pieces of the of the instruments come together. They make the symphonic movement, which is beautiful. That's how Scripture should be understood. Scripture is one movement. It's one piece. It's one story. So it's important for us when we read the Bible to look for the overarching narratives of Scripture because they really show us the truth of God. So troublesome passages like this should be understood in the overarching narrative of Scripture. So let's look at slavery, for instance. The overarching narrative of Scripture moves towards freedom what's the one of the, what's what's perhaps the most dominant story in the Old Testament the Exodus and what happens in the Exodus? God frees the slaves you can make an argument that outside of Jesus the most important story in all the Bible is about God bringing freedom to the slaves that God hears their cries or anguish and God brings freedom to their slaves. Remember what Jesus first message is he's bringing freedom to the captives. We see the overarching movement in narrative of Scripture is towards freedom. Towards freedom. That is how this should be understood. The Bible pushes the church. The Bible pushes us as Christians. The Bible pushes the world towards that movement, towards freedom. So when Paul says in Galatians that in Christ there's neither male nor female, slave nor free, Greek nor Jew, but we're all one in Christ, that would have been radical in the context of this day. Because, yes, they, they were not in the same type of chattel slavery like this in America, but it's also not a good thing. You know, it's not a good thing. And Paul says, no, not for us as Christians. And Christians, we're all one. As Christians, we're all part of the same family. Whether you're slave or free doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. Paul is pushing for that that baseline of human freedom and that baseline of human equality. Slavery must be understood within the greater narrative of Scripture, and the greater narrative of Scripture is always the push towards freedom, always the push towards equality, always the push towards God bringing freedom to those who are oppressed. Over and over in Scripture, God does that. Over and over, we see Christ do that, and over and over, the church to do that. So, when we understand, it's so important for us, when we see a passage like on slavery like this, for us to understand the overarching story of Scripture, which is God bringing freedom to those who were enslaved, who were enslaved, God is in the freedom business and God's in the freedom movement. So, I want you to understand a little bit about what the Bible says about how the Bible, how we understand slavery within Scripture and um, hopefully make this make a little bit more sense. So um, tomorrow we'll pick up with this passage again, and we'll look a little bit more in depth at what it's saying. So I uh, hope this is helpful and useful. Reach out to me with any questions you may have or any comments. I'd love to, to hear what you're thinking. Uh, thanks for watching, and I will see you tomorrow morning for our uh, next of uh, next Ephesians. Have a great day.